Hi, this is Austin from the band Cardboard Box Colony, and you're listening to the Punks and Pubs podcast. While the bars might be closed right now, crack one open at home and check out our new single, Headstone, available on Spotify, Bandcamp, or wherever you get your music. And if you like what you hear, go follow Cardboard Box Colony on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Cheers! you my name is liam bird and you are listening to the punks in pubs podcast do people remember a time before covid19 well we do and we're going to give you a little taste of it in today's episode because our guest for episode 54 was recorded in a pub in watford two weeks before the whole world decided to cosplay the movie pandemic 
On a serious note, though, I hope you and your loved ones are doing well and you're staying the fuck at home and you are hanging in there because if you are struggling, there are people out there who can help you. So make sure that you are reaching out to the right people. Please keep talking because uh, nothing's worse than just fucking surrounding yourself with your own thoughts if you happen to go through uh, depression patches like I do. So uh, please seek help. Look after yourself. This time will pass and you will be able to see and hug and touch each other soon enough. But until then, let my voice be your buddy for the next hour and a bit. Uh, In fact, actually, let my voice and also my guest for episode 54, uh, Laurent Bernard, or better known as Lags. Uh, You may know Lags from bands such as Crocodile, Mooney's, Gold Key, but I have an inkling most of you will know Lags as the guitarist and founder of UK hardcore punk band Gallows. First off, I'd like to say thanks to Lags for giving up so much of his time and for being so open and honest in this interview. So what do we talk about? Well, I kick the doors down and go hard on a TV show that I absolutely fucking love that Lags worked on, but he had absolutely no idea about the show at all. Uh, it's the Cartoon Network show We Bear Bears. Go watch it in these dark times. It will perk you the fuck right up. We also talk about Lags dipping his toe into producing not only bands but also movie soundtracks, in particular the genre of horror. Uh, Lags explains what it's like to play music after getting absolutely shit-faced and a ton of beer and how Lags had a rocky love affair with his hometown of Watford. We, of course, talk about Gallows. We touch on the early days and going from hustling to being offered million-pound contracts from a major record label. Uh, Lags talks about the pressure that came with that contract and how recording Grey Britain was the beginning of the end for original vocalist Frank Carter, who would leave the band shortly after the album release. Lags opens up about those couple of years without the band and how Frank's replacement, Alexis on Fire, Wade McNeil, became his brother from an overseas mother. I'll be back after my chat with Lags to talk about how you can find out some of the references that we talk about in this interview, and I'll also be back to talk about projects moving forward with this podcast in these weird fucked up times. Till then, enjoy episode 54 with myself and Lags. I'll talk to you in a bit. I've, I've learned to say you're ready because usually when you start a podcast you just kind of go straight in and <laughs> yeah. someone's like oh we're sorry yeah. what the fuck okay so uh, we are sat in this fake Irish bar <laughs> it's very busy right it, now <laughs> it is really busy and um, we're in Watford and in front of me is Lags from Gallows how you doing pal? I'm good how are you? I'm alright I'm alright so we're around the corner from your house we're across the exactly. road from my work easy perfect mate <laughs> it is worked out perfectly um, so we're going to talk about Gallows and we're going to talk about Moonies and Crocodile, sure. Dill, sorry, and um, Golden Key. But I feel like the most important thing I need to talk to you about first is We Bear Bears. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I fucking love that TV show. It's the most underrated ch- children's animated TV show that's out there. <laughs> 
And That's a deep cut. You're coming oh, straight over a deep cut. Mate, I'm going to go at it because, like, it's the most... Ador- if you don't know what free, uh, We Bear Bears are, it's a Cartoon Network TV show about free bears who are basically lost and they find themselves in San Francisco. That's essentially it. But it's the most heartfelt, adorable show that's out there. And you've played a part in that by, by <laughs> producing a song called Someday. Someday, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so talk to me about that. How, where, how okay. did that happen? So, this, from the beginning, we went, me and Steve, who plays in uh, Gold Key with me, so we went to our mate's stag weekend, and one of the guys at that stag weekend um, works for a company that does a lot of stuff for Cartoon Network and you know, other companies. And uh, he messaged me like a few, literally a few weeks after saying like, you know, likes Gallows, or can I do some music for, um, for like, uh, yeah, for we, we Bear Bears. You know what? I don't really know anything about it. Like, oh, really? your synopsis oh, there is, is the first time I kind of got an <laughs> idea what it's about. Yeah. But anyway, so uh, they wanted like a Bon Jovi-esque power ballad version of... Uh, a track which was used in the uh, in the cartoon so they sent us um, the vocal only mix mm. not only did they sent us the vocal only mix they sent sent in about like 12 different languages because <laughs> this is like a huge program yeah. like worldwide and so I kind of demoed it sent it back he was like yeah this is wicked so I took the demo with, to Steve and we just went hard making it sound proper like power ballad style and not only that, we had to like cut it to like the foreign language versions, and then make different edits. So have it like a, do like a twenty-second version, like a minute. Mm. I think the original was about two and a half minutes. But when you don't know the languages, like you don't know where <laughs> the, the break is in, whether you're cutting it so the lyrics still make sense. So yeah. I apologise for <laughs> our. <laughs> Linguistic ignorance, do you know what I mean? It probably sounded ridiculous. So, if there's anyone in like Korea listening to, Korea, to Russia, that, Russia, everywhere, yeah, if you listen to it, lags apologize, but yeah, it, like it's, it's just it's just an interesting thing because you think of cartoons, Cartoon Network, and then you think, oh, yeah, Gallows, <laughs> yeah. the guy from Gallows you know fits right into this. That. Is such a deep cut, honestly. <laughs> no one's ever asked me about this, so uh, I I'm, think. It's just because I'm a big fan of the show, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I just exactly. love We Bear Bears, and I found out you had something to do with it. I had to. That's hilarious. Had to get it in. So, where did your itching, like your producing itch, come from? Then, from has you always been interested in like creating music and building music? Yeah, you know what? Like ever since I was a kid, anything like movies, I was obsessed with like movie scores. I think like, a lot of people are, but I definitely took it to another level. Like I, I just got so into it, and. Um, when Gallo started kicking off, I was like, you know what, I should use Monopolize on this and just try and reach out, make a few contacts and uh, and do a few other bits and like so I've done like short films, I've done like adverts, like short documentaries and stuff like that. Like nothing major but um has that come about just from like from from the early days of like when you when you were starting out Gallows? Was it like hustling? Just basically no, going... I mean I'm still hustling now to be honest, but like I think it's just like a need, do you know what I mean? It's just something I, I really wanted to do and I was going to try and reach out to people, reach out to friends and stuff. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, you know, I fell into it really. It's not like I've got any kind of background in it or studied music production or music for film or anything. I think it's just like a passion and trying to make it work. So do you think that's something that you're naturally born with or do you actually have an ear 
for, for how, how music should be kind of laid out? It's really weird because um, I always think of things like, I'm like, well, if I can do it, surely anyone can do it. But having worked with like different people, different bands, I don't want to blow my own trumpet or anything, but I feel like I, I think there's definitely a knack to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, just like reading situations and like reading the moment, and and yeah, like I'm not saying I'm great at it, but I'm great. I've got. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm definitely not saying it, but I've definitely got a feel for it. Yeah. When obviously you start learning all, all like the tricks of the trade, are you like a producer's worst nightmare? Whereabouts you're like, what are you doing, mate? I wouldn't do it like this. No, I'm. I'm literally like. I take everyone's kind of um, opinions on board, basically. Like, I hate to be those people who are kind of, my way is the right way. But yeah, I, I mean, it is difficult. Like, doing stuff for, for like, film, especially, you, you're kind of working with a lot of people and advertising, too. You're working with people who don't know music. So when they're, like, trying to explain something to you, they're kind of explaining it in a way that's, that's alien to both of us because they don't really get how music works. Yeah. And you're trying to second guess what they're trying to say and yeah it gets a bit complicated and confusing and I mean there have definitely been times where I've been asked to do music for like an advert or something I produce some music and and to them it's like it's it's too musical do you know what I mean it's, like, it's too like bombastic basically and I guess because I, I grew up listening to like heavier stuff like to me anything that's kind of elevator music-ish is like it's really weak yeah so I try and give it a bit of energy and a bit of je ne sais quoi do you know what I mean like just something but some, sometimes that's too much have you ever had a note where it's actually gone what that is so vague what the fuck does that mean always it's always vague yeah and even when it's not vague it's like it doesn't make sense so it's <laughs> needs it more strength it yeah what the yeah. fuck does that mean yeah it's, it's really weird it's the same thing so when I used to make Radio Dot I used to you, the process is you go make it you give it to the BBC and the BBC would give you notes and some of the notes were like what does that actually mean so one of the things I used to I did I did a documentary about um, the lack of uh, it's got nothing to do with punk and the, the lack of trust in the police force yeah. with younger people and one of the notes I got back was it needs a bit more umph it was something like that it needs a bit more umph or something like that like what does that mean? Do you mean, like, do you want me to go hard on the police? Do you want me to, like, back the police? What What does umph mean? Like, give me some notes. Yeah, it I makes no sense. Yeah. Usually you give back exactly the same thing. Like, yeah, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck you want? Anyway, as I said, we're in Watford at the moment, a town that you called a dead-end town. You know what? Once. It's so funny you say that. So I said that in the interview, like, years. I went Gallows first started out, and I think it was, like, maybe in The Guardian or something mm. like that. And then someone at the Watford Observer, which is like a local newspaper, picked up on this and wrote like a, a hate piece <laughs> on Gallows yep. and like aiming at me specifically. A few years ago, strangely enough, I was asked to write something for um, The Independent about uh, like the music scene and where Watford plays in it. I don't know if anyone who listens to the podcast knows, but like Watford's actually bizarrely got quite a good musical legacy in the last... 15 years when it comes to kind of like rock, metal, punk, mm. hardcore so basically write a piece kind of like trying to fix what I'd said before Yeah, <laughs> and uh, big Watford up saying you know how it's produced so many like amazing bands and you know it's, it's for almost like a heritage and the people from Watford that makes the town great, that, that kind of thing 
But yeah, I did say that, dead end town, and uh, the Wolf Observer hated me for it. So You stayed here when I'm sure you've had the opportunity to, to leave and go other places. I think the issue with Watford, which I've said before, is because it's a great place because it's kind of like, it's very close to London. Yeah. But then that's also bad because like, why would you bother making Watford have all these cool things like venues and stuff when you can just get on a train it's like 15 minutes to Euston and then from there you just go anywhere in London so that being said you know like whilst we tried to make a scene like back when it was like sick and my first band Gimp which is like a long long time ago like Captain Everything like punk band it was all very kind of like there was like thousands of kids coming to gigs and stuff things change and then like I guess with the internet coming in people kind of like clocked to what was going on in London more so like more people can just go out in London for shows and and the scene kind of died down a bit but I feel like Watford's location play, plays a big part in why there's not so much as in terms of music venues and, and things like that basically I don't want to call it a dead end town anymore because like, I still live here yeah I just feel like it needs some more oomph do you know yeah. what I mean you get it <laughs> So what was your upbringing then in this dead end town? Because... Oh, God. <laughs> dead end town. No, no, no. But, but what I mean is because I think I grew up in a town called Newark, which is now literally 15 minutes, 15, sorry, 15 minute, yeah, journey essentially to Nottingham. Yeah, yeah. So no one used, there was no scene in Newark. Everyone would go to Nottingham yeah. because it's got Roxy or it's got Peaches or whatever. So there was no music really there. Everyone would go out of town. And I'm guessing that must have been the same for Watford. You kind of spoke about it, but were you searching for bands in London like were you going into London yourself you know what like we me and my friends used to like we had, basically we all got like fake IDs so we As could, you do yeah so we could go to like clubs and stuff like that and through that we got into uh, like punk hardcore like the more kind of underground kind of scene and obviously that scene's very DIY mm. and so we kind of took all those ideas and started doing our own thing in Watford like putting our own gigs and all that kind of stuff and that's how it kind of happened it's weird, like, you know, growing up, like, magazines like Kerrang! and Big Cheese were, like, you know, really, like, massive to me. And, like, skate magazines, like, Big Brother and Fresh obviously had, like, quite a lot of, like, punk and hardcore. And that was, like, our way of finding out about bands and new music, people setting up scenes and stuff like that. It's, yeah, it's all very DIY, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I still feel very connected to the DIY scene, like running Ben Records you know what I mean it's, it's very much a DIY label like I'm doing all the shipping like I'm I'm speaking to like shops about stocking the records like I'm putting on gigs like it's all very do it yourself and I think that's that's just inherent from like growing up listening to punk music and getting involved in like the punk and hardcore scene and things yeah. like that but we're going to talk about Ben a little bit but it's kind of interesting you brought that up do you think then that your kind of years of putting on shows and then with, with your other bands including Gallows 
like that kind of hustling mentality has like given you the ability to be a businessman in in regards to having a label and pushing Ben as hard as you can. Yeah, definitely. I think, I mean, being in a band, no matter what genre, when you start off, you're hustling. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like everything's a hustle, basically. I think like having done gallows and experienced what it's like to be in a band on like a, a huge major label I've kind of like built up like a certain amount of knowledge to like understand where, the way different parts of the industry works mm. it's funny like working with like smaller punk bands and hardcore bands like sometimes I'm talking to them about things and they literally have like no idea what I'm saying I'm like oh we've got a pitch for playlists on Spotify and they're like what are you talking about we're pitching for playlists like it's alien to them do you know what yeah. I mean that is the way the industry works today and like these are just things I've picked up like being in a band and you know there's certain lessons I've learned that have helped me like start up Ven Records and like make it what it is I mean to me it is like really kind of like punk and DIY and but when you speak to other people about it they're like oh Ben yeah, yeah it's really cool like great do you know what I mean so somehow I'm obviously doing something right but yeah. it's definitely a case of just hustling as from the start like when Gallows first started it was non-stop just like hitting up promoters like I'd go on tour with bands so I remember I was doing merch with this band called Cry for Silence which was like V-Man who plays in Slipknot yeah. his band and Steve Sears who's in Gold Key I'll just go and talk with those guys, like, loosely doing merch, basically just hanging out, drinking booze, like, having, having fun. But when Gallows first recorded, like, the, the first demo, I had all these CDs, stickers, and I was going around, like, giving them to promoters at every gig. And, like, I guarantee all those promoters just binned it, do you know what I mean? Didn't even bother <laughs> listening to it. Because, yeah. like, they're just thinking, who's this, like, pisshead just trying to, like, push his band onto me? Like, fuck this guy. But, but yeah, it's just hustling. So where did that confidence come from, though? Because I'm sure I have pe- zero confidence. Oh, really? I really? Okay, yeah. yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because like alcohol. <laughs> it's alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> so when I'm doing like playing gigs, so something like gallows or whatever, when I'm on stage, it's like it's almost like the most at ease hmm. I ever am. Do you know what I mean? It's really weird. Like I'm, I'm kind of like a naturally shy person, but like, give me a guitar and like, I just feel like comfortable. Like having fun on stage so it's it's weird like if anything like doing doing gallows and and playing in all these bands like it's it's kind of like made my confidence grow quite a bit i mean when gallows like stopped for a while for like a good few years like when that first when we first stopped doing things like i almost i don't know what who i was i felt like a huge part of my identity just like disappeared yeah and like my confidence dropped massively so like that's when I started focusing on like doing then starting up other bands like you know doing music with the film and TV and stuff like that's where like I was like I've got to kind of you know find a new identity for myself in a way because I, I was so used to like oh guitar player from Gallows and like you know when you're not doing that it's like oh who am I yeah but um, yeah it is what it is that's interesting though that you said like kind of you're not a confident person and then when, when Gallows kind of had a little um, lie down let's say like you kind of felt lost like was that because you I might be putting words in your mouth but, but your identity has been taken away from you and you're, you're trying to find yourself again yeah because like I mean Gallows was my life do you know what I mean yeah. it's, it's like a breakup 
basically. So, like everything I did revolved around gallows, like up until we took a break, and um, and by that I mean I'll be the one like sorting out artwork, chasing people for like t-shirt designs, you know, like writing songs, like just like I'd I technically do like most of the running of a band. Do you know what I mean? Like I've kind of the band dads so to speak and it was like from the moment I started the band from the moment like I said to Frank I was like oh do you want to do a band together like I took it upon myself to choose the direction the band was going to go in and write the music and all that kind of stuff so so when all that kind of like stopped it's like you're trying to think like well what else was I doing yeah do you know what I mean like it's kind of it's like a part of you just being like ripped out essentially do you think weirdly though we, I mean obviously we're going to talk about Gallows in a sec but do you think weirdly that break might have actually helped you because it kind of reveals that Gallows isn't everything like you you've got other talents so you can do other things yeah definitely like um, I definitely pinned so much on Gallows um, so for me when the break came it you know it definitely gave me a chance to like spread my wings a bit so you know I ended up getting in the studio with other bands something I did want to touch on because I know you were you were a part of the, the DIY putting on shows in Watford why was it important for you to, to do that like because you, I think there's a lot of people in this world who kind of expect things to happen and you go along and you, you go oh yeah I've been to that I've supported it but to actually start putting in the legwork in the early days to actually get things moving there's very few people who do that so why was it important for you to, to help and try and support and find venues in Watford whereabouts there wasn't many? I think um, it's a really like simple reason because like, if there was no one who's going to give us gigs, then let's just put the gigs on ourselves, which is yeah. essentially how most DIY scenes start. And then it just so happened that Mikey Goodman, who um, sings in the band Sick, like he went really hard like putting gigs on and he was getting bands from uh, out of town to play so you'd have like Napalm Death come and play in Watford and you know dare I say it like Lost Profits came and played um, and like a lot of these bands who were like really like up and coming like Mikey was getting them to play in Watford and like word spread that there was always like a good crowd yeah and and that's how it kind of like kicked off and it's really strange to think like as as fast as it all happened and as crazy as it was like the scene kind of like just stopped like instantly almost like the gigs just people weren't coming to the gigs anymore and it just kind of you know disassipated is that a word that's disassipated it is now I mean I'm dyslexic mate so (laughs) fuck it is so do you because it's interesting because I think apathy plays a huge part in punk rock because I think people believe that it's, if something good is going they'll go I won't go because it's always going to be there and it's not always going to be there and when it's gone people are going oh why isn't this here anymore well, it's because you didn't fucking turn out that's yeah. why um, do you think that played a part like the, the kind of the idea of oh well these guys are doing something we don't need to go it's fine it'll be there next week I think like what was started happening which really put people going to gigs and put people off putting gigs on was um, as soon as word got out that this was like a place where loads of like young kids were going to hang out like all the gigs were all ages it started attracting kind of you know people who just wanted to come to cause trouble yep so I remember like I think it was, might have been the last 
or second to last gig Gallows did in Watford like we did one, this one show where during our set someone these, this group of kids broke in fire escape and just started like hitting everyone and I, all I remember is like Frank screaming down the microphone like get them get them and I was like I didn't it was just chaos and like there was chairs being thrown around and stuff and then that obviously the gig ended and you know it got to a point where it's like is it really worth putting on these type of events if it means like people are at risk of getting hurt do you know what I mean it was like you start having to like question whether you're doing the right thing Mm. and so I think that's one of the key factors like as soon as you're doing something where there's like a huge population of like people coming out for one event you're going to start attracting troublemakers yeah Um, especially when it's like you know it wasn't a situation where we had like decent security or anything like that (laughs) it was literally just your mates kind of doing the door someone doing the door and and that's it and you know trouble starts and next thing you know there's no more gigs can't have nice things can you (laughs) exactly touching this a little bit in a bit but I think something that people talk about gallows and I don't talk about let me reframe that question one of the things I think people don't talk enough about gallows is actually how political your music actually is so growing up was politics a huge part of of your belief system you know what like politics didn't really enter my belief system until I started listening to like punk do you know what I mean like yeah. stuff like propaganda is an obvious one when you first start realising there's like oh there's there's fucking issues <laughs> happening in this world and like and you know like I kind of I grew up in Bushy which is kind of like a, a village close to Watford I didn't really see much whereas I've got friends who grew up like in proper poverty situations yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing and it's like they really struggled and and so for me like I didn't no, I didn't really open my eyes to that stuff until like you know bands kind of brought it to my attention and obviously that's like a key key part of what punk rock is do you know what I mean it's like it's, it's a very like working class type of music and so you know when you listen to uh, I tell you what one thing I did see on a documentary recently that sparked my attention was that they were saying how like a lot of these punk bands like you know they don't have much money so that's the reason why they started dressing so like shit yeah so like was <laughs> almost like flamboyantly yeah, do you know yeah. what I mean like really go over the top because like they're trying to like show like you know they're there's something else kind of thing like, they're peacocking yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas I was saying like bands like Pink Floyd who are all like uni students <laughs> were just wearing like t-shirts and like you know they weren't really trying to make an effort because they didn't have to like prove anything mm. to anyone you know that's the deep thing about punk rock it's very much born out of kind of like social change and bringing different cultures together like the clash you know like bringing a lot of reggae influence and stuff mm. like that it's it's kind of it's always had that kind of bridge element of not only is it a form of music but it's a form of social justice as well i guess so what age was that then when when you started 
So I know you keep reaching for your pint. I keep asking you a question before you can actually have a sip. No, I think, I mean, like getting stuff into propaganda was like, it's when I was picking up those uh, fat rec compilations. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah, they were like super cheap. And I just literally just, as soon as I got one of those compilation CDs, I, I just absorbed it for like days. That's all yeah. I listened to. So getting to those kind of bands. I think with Gallows as well. Like, I mean, we didn't really start finding more of a political voice until Great Britain, I yeah. think. And that's simply because we were given this platform and there was an element of, like, we should use it to, like, tell a story almost, but mm. that like, story rooted in, in fact and, like, what we're seeing, like, on the news and reading and stuff like that. Well, so was that everyone in the band's political view then? Or was there someone like... What are you talking about? Fucking Margaret Thatcher's amazing. Oh, I, mean, I mean, no one ever said that, but... Um, <laughs> I think there's... Yeah, there's just a sense of apathy, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, still today... I mean, we had, like, the TV on. I pretty much just rant at the news, do you know what I mean? That's, I'm turning... I don't know if I'm turning to an old man, but, like, I'm constantly just, like, hating, like, on what I hear on the news and stuff, yeah. and... Well, I've stopped watching Question Time, and for people who aren't from the UK, Question Time is essentially where about five people get shouted at by an audience, <laughs> yeah. and I can't watch it anymore because I end up being that person who is shouting at the TV. Politics at the moment is just fucked up. Oh right? god, it's, it's so fucking it's a nightmare. I think with Great Britain, like we just kind of it was just a point where things were entering like a downward spiral for a reason. We kind of like went really like hard and like getting like an orchestra and stuff involved was just to like emphasize how deep the situation we we're in do you mm. know what I mean it's just like it's almost like metaphoric in a way if you want to like peel away the onion and I'm not a big fan of people really digging into albums and telling me like what the real meaning of the album is but by having an orchestra an orchestra is usually associated with a middle class and everything like that and then you've got a working class kind of noise and mixing those together is like a political thing yeah so I don't know if that was what it was you were going for I mean it it was some of that like that is literally my John Peel that's that's (laughs) done that's pretty good that's pretty good (laughs) Something I am interested in because I don't think a lot of people actually know that you were one of the main writers in Gallows in, in their music. But some people also might not know that you were also in like pop punk bands like um, My Dad Joe That's and, right, and yeah. stuff like that. Writing for different kind of music genres, do you think that actually contributed to your to your ability to be able to write music? Because since Gallows, you've also gone to done rock bands, alternative bands, metal bands. I've always been into like heavy music, do you know yeah. what I mean? So like guitar music in general, to be honest. And I think it's just a case of not spreading yourself too thin, just getting in there and doing what you love as opposed to doing what you think other people want you to do, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's always been a tough thing for Gallows because the people who listen to your music, your fans basically, they... They want to hear another Orchestra of Wolves, for example. Mm. They're like, oh, this is like the greatest album. Like, want to hear another album just like that. But then there's the other side of it when there's people who want to hear you do something a bit different. No matter what you do, like, I think the best way is just to stay honest to yourself. Do you know what I mean? Like, stay true to what you love doing. You're never going to please everyone. But that's why, like, Gallo's got such a, a breadth of sounds. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even like the last two records we did with Wade there's some really slow dirgy stuff and then there's some really like fast angry music on there so you know the, the records have been divergent 
but that's on purpose do you know what I mean like I think it's just a case of us doing what we want to do and just, just staying true to ourselves I think for every musician is kind of not be pinned down by the genre that the audience state that you are as and then trying to expand and enjoy music essentially you know? yeah, yeah. I, think, I think again another thing that I think punk kind of beats itself about is if you don't stay in that lane of punk people get angry and go oh you're not fucking punk yeah, yeah. well what is punk though like, I'm not going to get that's not that's not a question because I hate that question <laughs> so for an outsider like myself like for me I felt Gallows just fucking came out of nowhere and it was such a fast progression from band forming band game radio play on like the punk show or whatever yeah. did it feel that fast to you do you know what when it sounds so weird but when you're in the when you're in the roller coaster so to speak um, you don't really notice what's going on because everything is just happening and you're just kind of like going with it so like looking back I, th- I think of some of the things that have happened and I'm like yeah fuck that's pretty pretty mad like the whole kind of like being on the cover of like magazines yeah. is something you dream about when you're a kid it happens and and it's like the most normal thing at the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't, and then, there's like weird headlines, though, like like the most dangerous brand, band in yeah, Britain. Yeah, I, I think like, like every every fifth issue of Kerrang! It's, it's, <laughs> it's the same title. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just their way of like selling magazines. Yeah, like, it's it's just one of those things. I I did feel everything was happening pretty quickly, but at the same time, like I didn't feel faded by it. Yeah. So why do you think it, Gallows seem to hit a nerve whereabouts your other bands weren't? Do you know what? I honestly don't know. I feel like we kind of came at it from a different angle. Yeah. Just by the way, for the people who are listening, there's a guy shouting on his phone to the right of us, so it's fine. Yeah. yeah it's a bit off-putting. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we were coming... We are just coming at it from, like, a different angle. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I remember doing, like, hardcore shows all dayers, and, like, we just sat up on the floor... Do you know what I mean? Because like you can't always like guarantee like a like a crowd at every gig you play. So like if it did look thin, we just take our gear and microphones, just like pedals, set up like off stage, and bring the show to the crowd. Well, I'm about to actually talk about that because one Ooh. of the first shows that I saw you at was a um, a a, DS, a DTA show in Luton uh, in 2006. Wow. Uh, I've even got the poster here for you to have a look at. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and what I remember mostly about that was, like you said, you guys just set up in the middle of the, middle of the floor because it wasn't that sold out. Yeah, yeah. And you just fucking destroyed the place. and Not in the sense like you wrecked, like you broke things, yeah. but it was just a fucking whirlwind of watching this band just not give a fuck about how many people were there, but just wanted to enjoy the moment of what they were doing. And I think for me, that show, people went away just going, who the fuck is this band? Yeah. And what the fuck are they about? And then that kind of intrigues and you buy the album or whatever. So was that a thing that you decided at from the start? Like, it doesn't matter how many people are there, we are going to make people talk about us. It's funny you say that, because I'm, I'm not going to lie, I didn't nick the idea from another band. Always do, mate. <laughs> Best ideas are stolen. But I remember, like, we did... I can't remember what band it was, like... We did we did a show and a band like set up on the floor and it was like it was like an empty gig. It was really early on in Gallo's kind of career and they I think they played after us as well and like we played and like no one moved. It was just like dead and bringing the show to the floor like it just kind of it changed the atmosphere a bit. Do you know what I mean? It, it yeah. made it a bit less like a puppet show as it were. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? From that point on, I was like right, 
every every gig if it's you know if there's like space on the floor or whatever like we should just like get in there yeah and also it takes the pressure off of you do you know what I mean you're like with the crowd so yeah you're not on stage like feeling like a dummy do you know what I mean it breaks you're that just, barrier yeah it exactly it certainly breaks that barrier and so when, when you're doing that because you are also like invading people's personal space though as well like did you ever get any backlash of like people just like because is quite an aggressive move in music or, or in any works of life where actually you invade people's personal space. You ever had a yeah. show where people go, get out of my face? <laughs> All the time. Do you know what? Like when Gallows played South by Southwest, one of the gigs we went to was, you know, the band Daughters? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we watched them play and like the singer's like in the crowd and he's like pulling phlegm out the back of his throat and he's like, he was like grabbing like this guy's girlfriend and stuff and it was it was like it was really uncomfortable yeah. like too much and I think back do you know what I mean I was there and I was just thinking please don't come near me please don't come near me do you know what I mean <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like it was full on we did, we never wanted to kind of like get in the crowd and then build a barrier do you know what I mean because that's what he was doing do you mm. know what I mean it's like it's the shock and like look how crazy I am I mean doors are wicked don't get me wrong but like I, I felt uncomfortable and that's probably what he was trying to trying to go for do you know what I mean it's like really uncomfortable music at the end of the day yeah. but for us it was, it was almost kind of like we're trying to like bring people into like our own chaos do you know what I mean so like us really going for it it's, you're invited to like get involved but like if you don't want to that's fine like Frank would never get in someone's face unless they were getting in his face first do you know what I mean yeah. like we weren't looking for, for violence or or fights or anything but obviously like things like that happened like people get felt threatened you know yeah I mean because I mean, the headlines around your band were like if you go to a live show it is be prepared like kind of that yeah kind I of... mean I remember like for ages like Frank was like yeah try and punch me in the face during one of his songs do you know what I mean <laughs> so I mean it's like we brought it on ourselves basically and I remember like on Warped Tour uh, the first time Gallows at Warped Tour the very last gig like some of the tattoo artists who were on the tour tattooing like came in and just started like trying to beat us all up in good jest it sounds weird <laughs> it was all like fun, so fun but, punches because like, I think they were just like yeah like prank yeah. let's actually like bring it to them do you know what I mean which is cool and, and very funny and the video is on YouTube but um, there were like fights and confrontations but at the end of the day we weren't the ones starting them do you know what I mean it's yeah. just like just some people just a lot of people just wanted to kind of almost provoke Frank in a way do you, do you think I mean? that's because you were a band going on the up and people thought well we can make a name out of ourselves if we provoke this band and pull at this band I have no idea I'll always say this I was just about the music that's <laughs> literally <laughs> it I uh, like, like when we first started getting the crowd like you know I mean I still fucking jump on people's heads now do you yeah. know what I mean and I'm going to be fucking 40 years old this year and I'm probably going to be doing it still do you know what I mean so like I don't know I think it's just the energy and just wanting to like you know when I play a gig I, I don't really like the stage like you know playing like festivals and stuff like the crowd is so far away mm. and I want to get get in their face and have like feel their energy do you know what I mean because yeah. that's what kind of like you know I feed off the crowd's energy basically and so as much as I enjoy playing festivals and stuff like you know I can't wait to like get my guitar and like get on that barrier and just like really kind of like 
hear people like screaming the lyrics back at me. So there Gallows is a game changer. Like this band is now. Do you know a game what? Changer. I still, I still don't. No. See, yeah, it's it's weird because like I don't know whether Gallows changed much. To be honest, like I remember. I mean, for yourself though, for cause, me, because clearly it has. Like you, you've been able to make, like you've been able to do We Bear Bears. You've been able to do adverts <laughs> and stuff like that. So people have paid attention to the music you've been doing. Yeah, I mean, like I guess on a personal level, it's a game changer. Obviously, mm. Gallows has achieved a lot. And um, no matter how much like I moan about the music industry, I've still got to pinch myself and be like, oh yeah, you know, I did do a lot with the band. I got to see the world, and you know, I've got some like amazing stories out of it, and you know, unbelievable memories. Orchestra the Wolves obviously came out, made noise, and then you get a phone call from Brett at Epitaph. How like? Is that weird, especially for a guy who's used to buy, like, used to listen to those kind of compilation albums with Epitaph on there? Like, were you geeking out? It was super weird. So, I mean, I remember the first time I went to, like, Warp Tour used to come to Reading Festival. So it's like 1997, I think, was the first time I went to, like, a Warp Tour event. And there, were, there was, like, a mailing list where if you wrote your address down, you get a free like epitaph like sampler basically and so I got this CD and I was you know like tapes I was just giving away like stickers and everything and epitaph was like kind of like the warp tour label basically bands like Bouncing Souls Refused all that kind of stuff I was yeah I loved epitaph records you yeah. know what I mean and I remember there weren't really there was never really like a British band on that label so when Brett Goritz got involved I was like fucking hell like not only are we going to be on Epitaph, but we're like a British band on Epitaph. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there have been a few, but before Gallows, I can't, I can't think of any. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it felt mental. And like going down, like when we went over to like their offices, and they were just like, yeah, here are all the records and CDs. Pick what you want. And we were like, what? Like, I remember like we had boxes of like CDs. We were like, and we had so many like we couldn't even take them all home with us do you know what I mean it was insane so we're in America and like it was at that time where things were really crazy and like every clothing company were like giving us clothes we were doing like warp tour and like we were shipping boxes of clothes back to the UK because we wouldn't be able to fit in our suitcases and like in the end like all these records and CDs left on the bus and, and like we were like I'm not, we're not going to be able to like take them and we were we had a hotel in Portland, I think it was where our last date was. We had to leave the tour early to do Reading and Leeds. And so I took all the, everything to my hotel room. And I found out there was like a local show, like a punk show, down the road. So I went down to it with all these records. And like, I was watching the gig. And I basically left all the records on like the merch table. Yeah. And I left a note just saying like, to the bands who were playing, I was like... 
hey guys, we're not going to take these home with us, so please help yourself. Love Gallows, kind yeah. of thing. And like all the bands like messaged us afterwards to be like, oh man, amazing you have a gig. Like thanks for leaving the CDs. Yeah. It was really cool. Like a little fairy godmother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's mad to think like you know, being signed to Epitaph is like. It's crazy because like before that we were talking to Deathwish Records, which is also fucking mad. Because obviously like we're all like massive Converge fans and stuff, and the label's amazing. So like the fact it escalated from like Deathwish and like oh Epitaph want to put it out, it's like yeah bizarre. So you, you, like you already kind of ticked that box with Epitaph, and then Warner come in and offer you a shit ton of money to put out your next album. At, at what point did you go, should we do this? Because our punk ethics, quite rabbit marks right there. Yeah. Or is it, let's fucking just do it and just make some money and do an I, album that we want to do? I think that's it, basically. Like, by that point, the band was, it was either going to be a job or like a hobby kind yeah. of thing. And in order to like make it a job, well, like obviously we need like, money and like supporting what we do I don't know whether signing to a major so quickly was a good move career wise it was obviously a good move move financially yeah I think we didn't have time to really like make our name on like the underground scene like globally if you know what I mean do you know what I mean like by the time we were touring the states we were already like a Warner Brothers band Mm -hmm. And so people would have, were thinking, yeah, these sellouts, you know what I mean? Before I even gave us a chance. So it was, it was such a huge leap from being like, we were signed to In at the Deep End, yeah. which is like a small Nottingham label, so yeah. that would have been local to you when you were younger. Yeah. But, and then just being on like, you know, being label mates for Green Day kind of thing. It was so pretty. what was it that actually, what were they telling you that they could provide to you that were you like, yeah. A million pounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, <laughs> because everyone compared it to the um, the Virgin Sex Pistols album contracts when they got offered a million pounds to, to yeah. do their album, and then everyone then said, "Well, Gallows just took the piss and they 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 just fucking did an album that they knew wouldn't like sell commercially." And it is that is like, very true. That is exactly what happened. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like when they signed us for that money. They were expecting like, like a Nevermind the Bollocks or uh, American Idiot or something like that. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Something that would sell commercially. The basis of Gallows has always been do what you want, do what you believe in, kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? That is still the basis of a band. And like, you're, you're signing the name. Do you know what I mean? And by doing that, you're putting like a lot of trust into Gallows like the name setting records like it doesn't mean what the music's gonna be like fucking like some 41 or anything do you know what I mean <laughs> so I mean fuck knows what Warner Brothers thought when they were like right okay so we're gonna have to release this in- incredibly nihilistic concept record which has got like a 33 piece orchestra and a screeching fucking pig. Yeah. Like, um, what was that like going in the room and going, oh, this is the album? Oh, yeah, you're going to love the pig bit. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, it's, it's weird. So that, like, we we sam- we got loads of samples on that record where they recorded especially for the album. So like, the sound of a war at the beginning was basically the Thames, like foxes howling, like crows. They're all like we we had like a, a sound engineer go out and record all that stuff. But when Frank put it like the sound of like a, a pig being slaughtered, slaughtered yeah. there's obviously no way we're gonna go in and do that ourselves do you know what I mean yeah, for the yeah. record and I remember we did we did an interview with NME where Stooge jokingly said oh yeah we killed a pig for the record like that <laughs> as a joke and like we all laughed ha 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 funny joke kind of thing NME decided to write that something about like gallows kill pig and then <laughs> laugh about it like as if we were like the worst people ever that's not what happened like we were laughing at the fact that Stu joked about it like it was basically just a sample like uh, I think we had like someone part of the production team like found it do you know what mm. I mean and like you know yeah we wanted something grotesque and obviously the the, the, the whole concept of the pigs on a record like police do you know what I mean it's that, yeah, yeah. it's that simple that obvious so that's why we wanted it so did you get like Peter and RSPCA like shouting we did yeah, so yeah. we had uh, Peter wrote like um, an article like a huge like backlash article about it basically like calling us like the worst people do you know what I mean <laughs> and I instantly as soon as it happened like, I was like I've got to fucking put this fire out do you know what I mean yeah. so I messaged the woman who wrote the article and just like explain how enemy got it completely wrong and about like some of the bound with vegetarian do you know what I mean like you know it's, it's not anything we'd ever do but all that kind of stuff and managed to like diffuse the situation basically but one thing we learned like being a big band is that people will always twist stories about you to like you know it's clickbait essentially yeah. so yeah. like you know that's that's one of the things we learned basically Britain. Was there a point where about you realised Frank isn't feeling this? Like this is. It was. I mean, it was like um, it's, it's such a cliche, but it was a struggle making the album. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It is a cliche, but like it, it kind of was in a way. Like I think we we thought by doing our own thing would be a way of taking pressure off ourselves do you know what I mean like let's ignore what people want and do what we want mm. but then you're kind of like that pressure then comes from within yeah. as opposed to like outside the band and so it was it was kind of hard um, 
in the end, like Frank had to record his vocals at home because like we were just struggling to get takes in the studio. And like, I mean, there's a few stories. Like, I think this is the first time I've ever told this story. But like, there was a point where Frank did a vocal take for um, for Misery, and I was in the like the in like the production room or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I said to Garth so Gugga Garth produced the record he produced like Rage and Biffy Clara and stuff like that and I was like oh yeah like, I don't think I don't think he's got it on this take and he was like oh, okay and then Frank comes out of the room and first thing Garth says is like I oh, lags didn't think you got it and I was like what well, you literally just like put you in the shit so do you know what I mean and so then it's that causes an argument do you know what I mean and so like it's it's hard like you've got like someone's giving you a million pounds you've got to make an album Um, you know we'd be idiots to deny that like there was pressure even if it was just from you know putting it on ourselves kind of thing you know it it felt like a pressure cooker in a certain way but like at the end of the day the album came out and it got really good reviews like it was like a lot of top albums of uh, of year magazines and like things like that I think it's one of those albums that if you go back to now it holds up especially in this today's political climate like I think if you listen to that album it, it is still speaking really essentially yeah. to, to, to what is going on in the world but for yourself then because you and Frank created this this band together and for him to leave did you take that more of a weight on yourself than the rest of the band even his brother because it's your band like I you've think done like this. It, out of everyone in the band it was like tougher on Steph yeah because it's like it's like a family member walking away do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the funny thing about that is like do you remember I was saying how it doesn't feel when you're on the roller coaster it doesn't feel like anything so to me it wasn't anything like that mad like getting I was like I was getting you singer do you know what I mean yeah 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 I didn't think that would be such a such a bizarre thing do you know what I mean like loads of bands do it like Black Flag but like about you know in such a short space of time I had so many different people sing for that band so yeah it's just it was just like a part of me was like relieved because it was like right so now maybe we can start moving forward because we were struggling to like everyone get on the same page for album three yeah but you know, at the end of the day you just got it's just music do you know what I mean that's all it is it's not no one died anything like that it's it's literally just music have you, have you like been for a coffee with him or anything like that since? yeah yeah no I've, I've uh, like we get on fine now yeah and like to be honest like it was it was for the best in terms of just our friendship anyway do you know what I mean yeah like, yeah, yeah it's one of those things I, I went to like saw Pure Love play a few times you just got to keep saying yourself like it's only music it's not like it's no one died yeah exactly yeah no one died
move away from Gallows. I just want to quickly talk about um, horror movies because I know you're a big horror fan. Yeah. And, um, you spoke about um, that you have done the soundtrack to a few horror films. Uh, there's one in particular, uh, The Herd. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and, and you won an award for that as well, didn't I you? I did, I got nominated. Yeah, I oh, didn't sorry, win, yeah. <laughs> Well, let's pretend you won. Yeah. <laughs> so, what is it about horror movies that like, kind of stuck with you as a child then, or growing up? I mean, again, it's just... Because some people just fucking hate it. Yeah, I think for me, like, <laughs> there's that sick part of me that enjoys being scared and being made to feel uncomfortable but at the same time like I used to really love like the really kitsch stuff like you know uh, Friday the 13th Halloween like Nightmare on Elm Street that kind of stuff it's always been like a a type of film that I've I've got time for It's, it's weird so it's funny like as you get older and and you know you start living with your partner and things like that it's hard to find the time to just watch really shitty horror films, basically. But I, I don't know, yeah. There's just something about, like, being scared I enjoy. So what was the last movie you watched that scared the shit out of you? Oh, my God. Um, which scared me... I can't think of its name. We can come back to it. Come, yeah. But is, is it more for, like... Do you, are you more like a psychological horror, or are you more like boo kind of horror? I'm more like supernatural... Okay, yeah. Cults. Yeah. Like that. That kind of stuff. Anything that combines the two is great. Because for me, the last really good horror, because I'm honest, I'm not a big horror fan, but there's, there's certain movies where it just stayed with me, was um, The Descent. Yeah, yeah. Like, the idea of claustrophobia freaks me the fuck out. And that scared me more than the actual little goblins that are running yeah. around. Like, so, the, so just the idea, if you can get that across of just feeling really trapped... I think I think that makes a like yeah I really get good, like, uh, I remember what the film was the ritual the ritual okay what's that yeah so oh no shit I do know about that movie that yeah. came out about a year and a bit ago wasn't it yeah yeah and so these guys they go on like a trip together they're kind of like ex uni mates or something yeah. schoolmates and all hell breaks loose basically so, good good synopsis from me there yeah. <laughs> sold. Um, so I'm just gonna—I know we're we're going over an hour, man. So I, just, I don't want to take up too much of your time, but I, I want to quickly talk about your other side projects. Yeah. So like Crocodile, Moonies, uh, Golden Key. Like, are these bands? Do you see them as side projects, or do you see them as projects? Moons, we don't really do anything anymore. Crocodile, we're kind of um, working on a new record, basically. Gold Key have got a new record coming out. Mm. So, just very quickly talking about Moonies, because you did that drunken session. We did, yeah. Was that legit? Were you... Yeah, we got... So, basically, um, I think, just to explain it, there's a video on YouTube where um, I did, like, this kind of, like, experimental pop band with my buddy Ollie, who I knew from, like, skating, and he played drums in My Dad Joe for a bit. And then uh, Tarek whose sister is Bat for Lashes um, we did this kind of like band where it was just like anything goes basically and we, we made this music video with this like really smart like um, YouTube uh, I don't know like web developer I don't know what it was but like they worked a way out so you could um, watch a music video stroke performance and you could choose how drunk we are well, so you can flick between different parts of the songs and it'll you know, be like four beers, eight beers. 
got to 12 beers. It was like, no, I think we did like 16 bottles of, of uh, I won't name a brand, but of, of a beer brand. Premium beer, yeah, yeah, each. And so, yeah, it was like, really, really went for it. And um, yeah, we actually drank all that. And by the end of it, like, I don't remember the last two takes, to be honest. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I always think about it, like, there's like a behind the scenes of that video where I'm like puking up in a toilet <laughs> which is obviously not great but then I was like there's another like Gallows kind of tour documentary where I'm pissing in a bottle so there's there's a lot of me on the internet just doing things that just aren't great doing it and I keep thinking like imagine if I was going for like a high end job and they're like let's check this guy out and it's like okay he's pissing in a bottle in this video oh and he's puking up in this one so do you know what I mean it's scam He's that's done. the only reason I've had to start a record label basically <laughs> no one else employing you well another thing to talk about alcohol is the gallows cocktail because um, I heard Stu talk about this <laughs> in an interview where he talks about a gallows cocktail is a base of Jaeger vodka JD add Red Bull because you haven't got enough sugar dash of coke yeah Why? that sounds fucking horrible <laughs> yeah it is he, I think he calls it uh, the dark slazer the name makes no sense and also when you get all those ingredients in the in your pint glass of course you, it's a pint yeah, glass yeah it's a pint yeah, glass yeah. so you have to stir it with a knife and that's the only <laughs> utensil you can use metal I mean shoes I remember that I, I think we were on tour of Every Time I Die and like Keith from Every Time I Die came into our dressing room and Stu was just like oh I'll make you a drink and like he just literally used what was left and now, like, even when we um, did those shows last year, we played, uh, we did, like, a secret show, Temple of Boom in Leeds, which is, like, huge shout-out, amazing venue. Um, and after the gig, we had, like, these spirits, and, like, you know, Stu's, like, making a dark slazer. It's, like, I don't know how it's just, like, it stayed with us, do you know what I mean? It's yeah. been over 10 years, and he's still making them for people. Sounds disgusting. <laughs> um, so... Let's quickly talk about Wade then, because Wade comes in, and I think people are like, oh, okay, this is going to be interesting. And then you did Death is Birth, and I think that just kind of blew the fuck out of everyone, like an eight-minute EP of just this aggression. And it was, for me, it was amazing. Yeah. And I, I loved it, and it, and it put any doubt of, oh, is Frank good? How can, how can people replace Frank? He's such a presence yeah. on stage. And then all of a sudden, Wade brings this, and, and yourselves bring this this EP. Was that the purpose of the EP to go to everyone? Calm down, we've got this. We're fine. Yeah, I mean, again, like the reason we got Wade on board is because, like, I've, you know, he knows that I've never really been a like a Alexis on Fire fan, but I have huge respect for those guys and the music they make. I think they're they're super fucking talented, and like, in my opinion, but they keep getting better and better like I really like the, like the stuff they're putting out now but um, I think Wade's like I've always said like Wade's like a brother but from like another continent almost do you know what I mean like he's like into the same things like he's into horror movies into like skating into the same bands and stuff do you know what I mean so and I've always been a huge fan of like North American punk and hardcore do you know what I mean like and to to everyone in Gallo it's, like, it's a great opportunity to like make some music with that that kind of like 
personality involved mm. do you know what I mean and like Wade's like a, he's an amazing vocalist like he can scream he can sing he can scream and sing at the same time do you know what I mean he's like really versatile and like he writes great lyrics and like he just knows how to like handle like a, a show yeah do you know what I mean there's there's like a real kind of like he knows how to like perform do you know what I mean which is which is a talent in itself because like it doesn't matter how good a singer you are if you, if you can't grab the crowd's attention then you know you're going to struggle basically especially after going for a guy who is renowned for like stage like personality yeah yeah, yeah I mean Wade's wicked like he just oozes personality do you yeah. know what I mean and charisma so like it's it's been amazing ha- having him in the band and um and yeah like obviously like putting out uh, that EP like just before we did that we actually released like I think it was like a maybe like a 40 second track do you know what I mean which was like even even more just piling on ag- aggression and like noise and stuff and I think there's definitely an element of like us showing everyone like look you know we're not going to lose our kind of like buy it yeah if that makes sense but yeah again do you know what I mean it's it would have been such a cop out to try and get like someone to replace Frank who's trying to be like Frank imitate yeah yeah exactly do you know what I mean so it's it's hard to like explain that to people do you know what I mean because like like I said, you know, we're talking about how music is it's just music at the end of the day. Like no one dies or anything like that. But you don't realise how dearly a lot of people hold like bands. Do you know what I mean? Like it's almost like we were it was like sacrilege where we were getting like someone else to sing for gallows and like we should change our name. But you know, at the end of the day, like the music's still coming from the same place. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and you know, the rest of the guys in the band, like it's, it's the same people and we were just taking it's just just taking the band in a different direction like we could have taken the band in a different direction whilst Frank was in it do you mm. know what I mean it's like it's it's how people kind of ingest your music I guess it's like it's, it's different to how you see it yourself yeah so was Wade always number one was he your first choice do you know what we didn't really like think too hard about it like when when Frank left and we decided we got together like do we carry on do we just call it a day and we were like well let's carry on if we can if we can find someone we're happy to like you know take on that role as vocalist for Gallows and yeah. like Wade came up because like, we did a gig with Black Lungs yeah yeah. and um, so for those who don't know Black Lungs is like Wade's kind of like solo project but it's a it's a band essentially and it's kind of it's kind of like super punk and we actually did like uh, a secret set supporting Black Lungs at the Old Blue Last. So they had a gig already booked there, and Wade was like, Do you guys want to jump on last minute? Don't tell anyone, just play. And we're like, Yeah, cool, we'll do it. So we did our show, Black Lungs play, and like Wade's, you know, Wade's playing w- without a guitar. So that was the first time I've ever seen him play uh, minus an instrument. Mm. So, and he's just like getting in the crowd like you know he's got everything like a vocalist needs you know what I mean and more basically so it it was like living in Toronto do you know what I mean it's like it's almost a stupid idea but 
just like fuck it and see if Waze wants to do it and he did and, and the rest <laughs> is history exactly. so like two albums down now and Wade is starting to do stuff with the Lexus again yeah has that hindered Gallows moving forward? Do you know what? Like the thing that's always hindered Gallows is just distance. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like Stu, who plays bass in Gallows, he's been living in LA for like maybe six or seven years, like perhaps more. Like he he got married to uh, an American girl, got a green card, and like now he lives out there. Yeah. So distance is always going to be an issue. And, you know, with that comes, like, time, money. Like, you're getting older. You've got, like... I mean, I've got, like, a mortgage. Like, a million bills coming out of my account monthly. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you kind of... You've got to, like, rethink your priorities and stuff. But we never wanted Gallows to end. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's... Even though we disappeared for, like, a few years, we never did that whole, like, announcement where it's like, oh really sorry we've broken up uh, and then I've, I've seen bands write fucking essays about breaking up and post yeah. on their Facebook and I'm like you know what like it's only music again do you know what I mean it's like fucking it's, don't make such a big deal out of it like why should we do all that like just keep it open ended like that way we can yeah. like come back and no one's like oh they they said they broke up blah 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 and now they're back <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like like so many bands have done yeah. do you know what I mean it's like we just took a breather basically mm. so is, is there anything in the pipeline for well, a new EP or an album or? I mean today we announced we're going to be playing Reading and Leeds Festival okay yeah so that's happening but you know what like there's there's nothing solid do you know what I mean we're kind of like doing it all ourselves again mm. And so, I mean, I'm not pinning anything on Gallows, and uh, but as long as we get to like play some gigs, I tell you one thing I miss the most is like hanging out with everyone. Yeah. So like seeing Wade, Stu, and Lee, and just like it's like no times passed. You know I mean like when you get in the van and like making jokes, and those five years away turn into five seconds. It's mad. That- for me shows like friendship because it's like with any friend who you have like school friend you haven't seen them in 10 years and then you hang out for a beer and it's like no time's passed yeah exactly and it's just a beautiful thing that you remember actually the music is only the part of this we're, we're, yeah. we're friends so let's let's end it with that beautiful <laughs> okay. wishful message but thanks man thanks for doing this you're welcome uh, I know we've had a couple of date changes <laughs> because I decided to have a brain aneurysm or whatever but yeah dude it's great thanks for being honest and, pleasure uh, Beautiful. Thank, Thank you. you. We sat down by the river, the country city of Joe. The social security camera's stabbing at her as it's low. You told me a secret, I didn't tell you mine. You made it beautiful, but it's what's expanded in your eyes. Let me smoke in the distance, wait on me like a hit. Let yourself with your fingers, let me pay my respect. Hold my head in place and I hide my face. Make them feel my mouth if you're mistaken. Thank you to Lags for taking the time to talk to me. Uh, you can go and watch that video of Mooney's getting absolutely fucked. That's the uh, band that Lags was in. Uh, whereabouts they recorded an hour-long video. Whereabouts they drank a shit ton of beer. And it's just a funny 
thing to watch play out. The link to that video is in the episode description of this podcast. I spoke to Lags a few weeks before this shutdown happening, meaning that the Gallows, Radding and Lee show that he spoke about is most likely not going to happen, unfortunately. Uh, it might, I don't know, but my inkling is that it's not. But if you are missing Lags and the boys, why not go buy some of their merch and help the guys out financially in these times of need? Talking of merch, uh, we hope to have some vinyl stickers for you guys in the next few weeks, which will look bitching, which you can go get. Uh, we also hope to be doing some more Instagram live videos sometime uh, next week, so keep an eye out for that, depending on when you're listening to this, because it may have already happened. I don't fucking know. Right, I'm, I'm going to fuck off to carry on doing absolutely nothing. Thank you to Cardboard Box Colony for sponsoring this week's episode. Make sure you go check out their stuff. Again, link in the description and where you can find all that information. If you want to sponsor an episode of the podcast for free, email pugsandpubs at gmail.com to find out how you can do just that. Please go rate and review this podcast while you're in lockdown and also go spread the love and tweet at a couple of your mates about the podcast at Punks in Pubs. Right, stay at home so we can get this shit over and done with quicker. Stay well and I will talk to you in a few weeks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.